Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be my full review of Season of the Drifter. I've given my thoughts throughout the season, but now that everything is basically done, I wanted to do a full review beginning to end, touch on the good and the bad. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you could probably catch me live right now. Twitch.tv slash say no to rage. If you're watching on YouTube, hitting like and subscribe is a free way to support me. So... I wanted to give a a full review because I feel like things have kind of come at the tail end that I didn't really get a chance to talk about in light of the entire season. Also, I just did a talk about Reckoning, how Reckoning could be retooled in a variety of ways going into Season of Opulence as a value point, not only for Season of Opulence, but also as a way for them to say, we're not just going to continue to leave you know, content on the shelf. So my criticisms and videos and things like that still stand. Some of those thoughts will be included here. This is going to be a more full picture of Season of the Drifter. So I want to start by saying it was too narrow. Uh, I want to I want to say it was too narrow. I also want to say it was too stingy. That's going to be the second part of the talk, too stingy. And then I want to end by talking about sort of the events, the arc week, the revelry, and then the outbreak perfected. So we're going to kind of walk through the reason I want to talk about it being too narrow and too stingy on the front side is I feel like philosophically, like at a, at a, at a, at a ground level when they were designing this season, they need to not do some of these things ever again with respect to how they deliver the content. I have been a big proponent, and I defended it in another video, saying annual pass is superior to the old DLC model. I think the delivery of content, the rhythm, is more in line, it's more in harmony with our behavior as players. If you're wanting to play daily and weekly, the old DLC model is very dissonant. You burn through everything in a month, and then you gotta wait three, three and a half, sometimes almost four months for anything new to come along, even if you stretch it out. So, the reason I want to talk about these things from a philosophical level is I don't necessarily have a problem with the rhythm, the idea of new things each week, new things each month, and then obviously season ends and there's a bit of a dry spell. I think that's okay. It gives people an opportunity to round things off, to finish, and to prepare for the next season. I think that's fine. So I I want to talk about that because I think this structure is better, but I do think they made significant mistakes with season of the drifter so let's talk about how it was too narrow okay reckoning is where i want to start because reckoning was being primarily linked to gambit prime it wasn't only linked to gambit prime but it was primarily linked to gambit prime i think was a huge mistake it was very limiting it made the content narrow because most people looked at it and said so i'm only really running this for armor over there now keep in mind Gambit's not purely PvE. I actually feel like it's mostly PvP with the way that you experience it, how intense it gets, how sweaty it gets. So Gambit Prime being told, oh, this is a sweatier version of Gambit, and then tying the new PvE content to it, I believe was a mistake. Because whenever you give me PvE content, whatever I'm grinding for, shouldn't be linked to, I'm building an armor set for PvP. That's I think that was a mistake from a philosophical standpoint, I don't think they should do that ever again. I know they've got a variety of people to play the game, but you shouldn't be linking the two worlds in that way. PvP and PvE already have their own there are, there's already a tension there and a frustration there. Let's not let's not make it worse by doing this ever again. Reckoning was also narrow in its design philosophy, the way that it feels, the way that it plays, the way that you beat it, the, the small window of error 
it's just very very narrow as far as content goes you, you don't feel like you have a lot of freedom it's not like when you go into blind well or escalation protocol a lot of different loadouts a lot of different things going on no it's just too narrow at a great it, 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 let's just go big picture here so narrow drifter was such a narrow narrow season lastly obviously and certainly not least gambit prime was such a central content piece in season of the drifter that again just makes the content very narrow i think that hurts accessibility i think when you look at the engagement numbers it's a minority in the community probably 150 on average 150,000 people playing gambit on a daily basis you got to subtract from that people that are mainly doing it because it's it's kind of required if they're trying to level because it's you know decently accessible milestones that's a minority you don't want to have an entire season built for a minority so the we've got to be careful again with these philosophies going forward so too narrow now let's talk about how it was too stingy the loot drops of the new guns is just arguably horrendously bad especially on the heels of how good black armory was and then obviously forsaken as well so when you play a loot pursuit game and they come to you and they say here's all the new loot here's all the new power you tend to get excited and you want to chase it and then black armory comes and says hey we got all new stuff again we've got some stuff that's in the raid we got some stuff that's in these forges and the forges trickle out that obviously is what drives the engagement that anytime we talk about loot in destiny you've got to remember that that's the driver and i know people are like well, some people just like to level up. What am I supposed to do when I'm done leveling up? That's another kind of kind of philosophical failure, I think, with how they've designed the game. I think everything should change once you're max level and really push some of the loot pursuit. A lot of the bounties, a lot of the NPCs, a lot of those things, I think, should take on a new shape once you're max level. That's another thing that the, the game fails, and I think that's one of the reasons why being stingy with the loot compounds the problem you don't have a lot of content as we said it's very narrow you just have prime you just have reckoning they're very largely linked and then you're stingy with the gun drops not only are you stingy with the gun drops you remove the agency and the intentionality that we had in black armory so this is something that they need to consider going forward whatever you establish as a value point If it doesn't continue, it passively feels like you're taking things away. This is one of the reasons why Rise of Iron and Age of Triumph were like the golden era of Destiny 1, and when all those value points were absent from Destiny 2 vanilla, it felt like they gutted the game. It's like, where's all those great things that you added? Now, obviously in development cycles, it was impossible to ham-fist in all those value points because D2 had already been in development for many years. And it would have been impossible to take some of those late stage live team, you know, service and ideas and quality points and shove them into Destiny 2. But that's an example of how that's experienced by the players. And in a similar fashion, when you go from Black Armory into Season of the Drifter, you feel like there's a net loss of quality in the game. You're like, I where is all the agency? Where is all that intentionality? The other thing they were stingy with and kind of made a mistake with was the tier one, tier two armor ultimately being pointless. So there are, it's already a narrow offering. Who really cares about the Gambit Prime armor? A small minority in the community. Now I'm not saying that doesn't, that it's, it doesn't matter and shouldn't be added, but it already appeals to a small minority. And then the people that actually want to chase it, tier one and tier two is pointless. You don't want tier one and tier two armor. It, it, it is in this, to a certain degree, it is a waste of your time. 
it felt like a little bit of maybe a misstep they wanted to make the reckoning accessible day one because of what happened in the forges and i think maybe the tier one tier two armor was a punt they just added it last minute not really thinking about the the long-term effects like oh my gosh we're adding this and people are going to realize that this is pointless once they get further into the season they just wanted you to be able to play stuff day one again i think that was a that was an area of being stingy with the loot it was like you're not adding enough quality and content and depth here so now that we've talked about how season of the drifter was too stingy it was too narrow Let's talk about Arc Week, Revelry, and Outbreak. Okay, this is where you can start to see what works and what doesn't. Okay, this is where you can really get, a, 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 I think, your your finger on the pulse of the community, what's good and what's not, okay? <laughs> I do want to praise the fact that they, they, they did add good things to Gambit Prime that we had been asking for. I think Gambit's still a flawed game mode. They did add some good things there, and I think on paper, Reckoning could be very good if they make some improvements, but... Once you get to the spectrum of like Arc Week, Revelry, and Outbreak perfected, you really can start to see what you never want to do ever again. Arc Week never needs to be repeated. Don't ever promote or put on your annual pass schedule or calendar a week, an Arc Week, and call it like it's an event. It's free to all players. They put that on there as well when literally it's just a patch. Don't ever do that again. That was a mistake. That I think that was received very poorly. It was confusing for the community. It was bad. Revelry. I thought Revelry was dope. I really enjoyed how it changed the game. They brought back the Infinite Forest again. They called it the Verdant Forest, and it gave us a new place to go and grind. It was a little bit hit or miss, though. It really hurt PvP, so they gotta consider that. But the activity of the Verdant Forest as well wasn't thought through. It was like, this is almost there. This is almost a true horde mode. Where's where's the reason to go really, really far? The grind in there was so close to being right. They, they've, got, they've got the Infinite Forest almost where it needs to be, rotating bosses each week with individual drops I think would be good to farm it, and then maybe the further you go, the higher the chances of you getting you know the curated role or the good role and then lastly outbreak perfected an absolute home run of an event the puzzle's a little bit silly because it's just a brute force it's not a true puzzle to get the catalyst in the ship people are hating on the ship i love the ship it's supposed to be ugly it's made of scraps there's nothing else in the game that looks like this i know people wanted the nano phoenix but i know i'm in the minority paul tassi called me out on that on in his forbes article that i'm in the minority I, it's ugly and i love it anyway but i think the outbreak perfected in general was an absolute home run of an event the gun's awesome the the mission is fun it's really really cool those types of mysteries are home runs so that's the whole season they, they there's some hits there's some misses there's some ground level philosophical problems with it being too narrow and too stingy hope that this can inform the next annual pass and the next kind of content delivery opulence is already built but beyond that i hope some of the things we've provided for feedback can help them make better content in the future if you're listening to this on itunes google play spotify or watching on youtube you can always catch me live twitch.tv slash say no to rage as with all of my content i appreciate you watching and listening please like share and subscribe Thank you for listening to or watching another episode of SNTR Presents. This is going to be a question and answer session that followed my Drifter review, the full review of the full season from the beginning all the way to the end. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching it on YouTube, you can always catch me live. I'm probably live right now. Twitch.tv slash say no to rage. Uh, and if I'm not live, you can click follow. You can also click like and subscribe on YouTube. That helps me out. So. We're going to dive into the questions here. I basically gave a full big picture review of Drifter, talking about how it was too narrow, 
uh, with the content itself. It was too stingy with the loot. And then Arc Week, Revelry, and Outbreak Prime are kind of on a spectrum of really bad to really good, uh, with Arc Week being the worst part, Revelry being kind of a mixture of good and bad, and then it being, you know, Outbreak Perfected being great. So let's jump into the questions here. Forcewad says, what's happening to Ace of Spades next season? Uh, they're doing, they're they're weakening the gun. I don't have the exact stats right here in front of me. Um, I don't have patch notes in front of me. You'd have to check Bungie.net. Somebody in chat might be able to put into chat what they're actually doing to it. I'd be able to read that for the podcast here in a moment, but I don't have it in front of me. Void Goblin. Do you think the Reckoning should drop different armor and guns based off of the Reckoning since Gambit was the main focus of Season of the Drifter? I think it would have been cool to have armor sets from Reckoning, especially because the environment is so cool. It's kind of the Trials area. There's been some people that are like, why not put the Trials armor in there? I don't think that would be a good idea. I don't think you want to put Trials in, you know, gear in the game unless Trials is coming back. Um, People are saying when you put the gun away, you lose Memento Mori, uh, but you also get an extra Memento Mori bullet like it was before. Okay. Memento Mori is six shots, but you lose it when you stow it. Okay, there you go. That's the change that's happening to Ace of Spades. Probably still going to be a fantastic gun in the Crucible, even with that change. So yeah, I would have loved to have seen armor from the Reckoning, but I wouldn't have wanted to be the Trials armor like some people have asked for. I thought it was free. Uh, Do you think the name change to Opulence was a signal that they were going to give us something great because opulence means great wealth. Well, either that or they just weren't sure what they were going to call it. I mean, Season of the Shadow was I was originally what we saw. That was like the leak name. And then Season of the Shadow went away. Um, you also got to remember they jettisoned a lot of things. Like they th- this was supposed to be Joker's Wild. And that was the paid content of the annual pass. And then the the season the season was called Season of the Drifter. So they jettisoned Joker's Wild and they went with Season of the Drifter. Because it, I don't even remember, wasn't Opulence, Season of Opulence supposed to be called, it was Penumbra. So they got rid of Penumbra and decided to, instead of doing Season of the Shadow, go with Season of Opulence. So they did a lot of tweaking to the annual pass delivery in in name for I don't know why they did this but that's just that's that's how they decided to package it all uh E-Man did it Lono do you think Bungie will introduce new exotic armor in Season of Opulence I would anticipate them adding new things yes I don't know what I mean they've just been doing guns up to this point haven't they so that might be the precedent. Maybe they'll hold off on exotic armor until we get into September. I would think they would just do a couple of guns. If they do armor, that gets that gets kind of tough because you got to do that's three pieces of armor on top of pinnacle weapons on top of they'll do you know a handful of exotic guns. Um, I would I would think that they uh, they might just do. Uh, guns. They did three new exotic armors at the start of the season. Oh, they did. We got new gauntlets this season. Oh, that's right. I am sorry. They did that. I have a hard time keeping it all straight. Um, every season we got one piece of armor for each class. Oh, okay. Thank you. I'm. I was. I was off the mark there. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently every season we've gotten one piece per class. So probably again uh, in season of opulence. Best of me. 
If content slows down in year three, would you be okay with some sort of DLC pack, like an updated map pack for Crucible or updated strike pack, meaning bring maps or strikes from D1 forward? Those playlists are pretty stale. Uh, Here's the challenge in doing what you just said. People are going to say, why am I paying for content I already paid for? I paid for those maps and strikes when I bought Destiny 1. So one of the things they're going to have to do is if they repackage or they reuse anything from D1 or if they repackage and reuse anything from Destiny 2, like let's say they reuse the planets and the NPCs and the loot pools and Escalation Protocol and Blind Well and the Forge from Curse of Osiris. If they reuse those things, they got to be real careful in how they package it because people are going to feel like, wait, you're selling me content I already own. They would have to say, listen, this is going to be, these will be brand new encounters. These will be brand new pieces of loot as a way, because if not, you're going to have, that'll be highly criticized. Even though the, the, even though it would be new loot and new encounters, people would still look at it as like, you're charging me for stuff I already own. Truth be told, no, they're not. You don't own whatever new version of Blind Well or new version of Escalation Protocol lands in September if they were to do that. You don't own those new versions, right? You own the old stuff. So it's like, I, I think people cut off their nose to spite their face. I think they really disallow good good use of Bungie's capital and destiny because they would they would rake them over the coals and get really angry about reuse content. And I think it's an incredibly short-sighted and stupid attitude because there's so much good content in this game that is so underutilized. All of the adventures, all of the adventures where you fight the barons, the forge from Curse of Osiris, Escalation Protocol, the Infinite Forest, Blind Well, the Four Forges in Black Armory, if they were to retool Reckoning. These are all good and varied content loops. You don't need, why do you need, this is the real question I have for people, why do you really and truly need something to be brand spanking new? I've never been here, I've never seen this, I've never shot this enemy in this land landscape because after one week you're going to be replaying it all anyway so you're going to run through it one time fresh and then you're going to replay through it anyway and you narrow their ability to give you lots to do with that attitude like I said it's short sighted and stupid it's like they've created so much in this game but people are like if it's not brand new, I'm going to get really, really angry and I'm going to cry foul. And it's just like, well, that's going to limit how much they can offer you then. The one time experience is invaluable. I mean, really? The first time you run through a strike, the first time you run through one of the Black Armory Forges, one of the first times you run through Blind Well, is it that good that that needs to be then replicated in some way in other pieces of content? If they were to retool Blind Well and Escalation Protocol, new bosses, new enemies, new loot, I mean, I don't... You're basically looking at Bungie and saying, all this stuff that you built, we don't want to do that anymore. We want you to give us all new stuff. It's unreasonable. And again, I think it's just short-sighted and stupid. It's like, they can't give you the amount of content. Do you think they can give you... Let me just list all those things again. I want you to imagine them giving you that much content in a DLC, okay? So you've got, at a ground level from the very, very beginning, you have all the NPCs and their loot pools, okay? 
you have the then the first thing they they do that's a grind is the forge and curse of Osiris then you have escalation protocol uh, you also have the infinite forest that's been repurposed and used so they could use that okay so you have the NPCs and all their loot pools you have the infinite forest you have the forge and curse of Osiris you have escalation protocol you have the blind well you have the four forges in black armory okay you're gonna look at all that and say don't you dare repurpose that don't you dare reuse that give me new content can they give us new content that is this that, that is that big they can't it's unreasonable I just, I don't know. Again, you're cutting off your nose to spite your face. You're robbing yourself of probably tons of great content and great grind because there's this insistence on it must be new. Um, and I think that's just a, that's, that's a precedent that I think is holding some of the game back with respect to getting new life, getting new life injected into it every year and a half to two years because they, they create fun, loopable content that people will refuse i guess to have it be rejuvenated i don't you know what i mean i don't who wants to play the same thing then don't play destiny don't play diablo don't play borderlands don't play anthem don't play division don't play any game with a content loop don't play monster hunter don't play dauntless don't play any freaking video game that's what these games are you're playing the same thing you're grinding the same strike over and over again you're grinding the forge you're grinding the rage you're grinding the nightfalls you're grinding the you're grinding the activities over and over and over again to get drops these games built are built and run on repetition and how much quality did we really really get how much quality and replayability did you get from the adventures from the NPCs and their loopholes how much quality and content and replayability did you get out of the forge in curse of Osiris you did it once right you know what I mean it's like you did it once and then you're done escalation protocol okay so maybe you played escalation protocol more but if they add new bosses and new loot it's just like what how is that a problem Again, you're staring at a mountain of content that could be repurposed and give you new things to do and chase, but because it's in places and containers that you've already interacted with, it's like we, we reject that out of hand. And I think it's a significant mistake. Uh, count, country says, um, or country, maybe. Do you think Bungie will do a large-scale DLC in December followed by the annual pass? I think it's going to be a mixture. It's going to be a hybrid. Um, going to be a hybrid. So, I don't I don't necessarily think that they're going to do a big Comet DLC and then an annual pass that starts in December. I think the annual pass is going to kick off with whatever launches in September. It'll be a bit of a hybrid as far as how it's packaged. Um... The Mac Bull. Sorry if this has been discussed already. Overall, Reckoning is not difficult or challenging, but if the nerfs to Skull Phoenix and Orpheus has a negative impact on completing the bridge, do you think that Reckoning will become obsolete? The, my entire talk was about that, so I'm not answering your question. Like, you're asking me to retell my video, so you must have missed it, but I don't want to do that to the people that listen elsewhere. I don't want to repeat everything. Reckoning is going to need retooled, but I also think they can use Reckoning to better deliver the loot with respect to the guns. I talked about doing surge bounties that rotate each week. That was kind of my answer. Leviathan. To be honest, I don't mind 
uh, SOD for the main reason, oh, Season of the Drifter, uh, that I'm a completionist and a title chaser. I like that Reckoner is more based off just playing the game and not as much RNG as Curse Breaker, Rivensbane, Wayfair titles are. I hope they do more like that. Your thoughts on RNG? Yeah, I mean, removing RNG from titles doesn't make Season of the Drifter a good season. It just is them removing a stupid element of title chasing in the other seasons. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, chasing titles that are RNG-based is terrible. Just because they remove something terrible, I don't think I don't think that dresses up Season of the Drifter. You know what I'm saying? You're saying you, you didn't mind it. You tolerated it because you could chase titles and it was more reasonable, right? So... Yeah, MacBull, I tried to give you a quick Cliff Notes answer. I just don't like to do that to the listeners. I don't like to repeat myself. I do it enough already. I repeat myself a lot. I don't want to double down and do it any more than I already do. Uh, Fet44, out of left field, but do you anticipate ever seeing some form of ship battles in Destiny? And is that something that you could see getting engagement? I know it's an idea the community's been asking for since D1. No, it wouldn't get engagement. It wouldn't. Um... The game, the franchise is is too old and too established, and this is outside of the identity of Destiny. So when you bring something in that's outside of the identity of the game, like Sparrow Racing League, it's very risky. You're taking bandwidth, you're taking development time, you're taking time away from other projects to build something that may not be that well received. I'm gonna give you an example that we can look at right now, okay? We can look at engagement numbers right now and get an idea of what happens when they do something that's new and sort of in line with the identity of the game. Okay, 341 Crucible players, but we got to subtract. We got to subtract the Guardian GG numbers. Okay, so 341, you subtract 262. Okay, so 341 is the total number, and you subtract 262. All right, 79,000 people. Less than 100,000 people are now playing Gambit per day. Okay? Less than 100,000. So they built Gambit Prime, which is closer to the identity of Destiny than ship battles, and a massive minority is daily engaging with it. Okay? Massive minority. Don't forget D1. Right, and then we don't know what in those numbers is actually D1. We don't actually know. So if, if Gambit Prime and Gambit struggle... To get good engagement, it's not—it's not a majority. It's less than a hundred thousand players. Like it's low engagement with the content right now is low in general. All numbers are low, and that makes sense. We're at the end of a season. That's not—that's not alarming. That's predictable. Okay, so I would think ship battles would be even worse. They would spend all this time. They would develop all this blah blah blah, and they would develop ship battles. Ship battles would get less engagement than Gambit because it's even more outside of the identity of the game how many people are booting up Destiny week to week and day to day and want to do ship battles for any duration of time now they could manipulate the engagement numbers and throw a milestone in there but even still I don't know it's a it's it's a it's a four year old franchise that's really really established Right, and Eugene is saying 100,000 out of 600,000 or so every day is pretty high. True, but it's still a minority. So, roughly 600,000 people boot up Destiny yesterday. 80,000 people are playing Gambit. So, a little under one sixth. That's not terrible, but again, 
if that's a representation of what happens when they do something that's somewhat outside of the identity or outside of this type of content gamut's a little bit outside of the established content loop and they get they get a minority to engage you don't Think about it like this. When you're making content, you should be trying to land on the majority, not the minority. De facto, ship battles would land on the minority, I think. I think. Uh, JD Gamer, do you think if we had a raid in this annual pass and we faced one of Drifter's old enemies in the raid, we have... I'm not answering this. It's just wild speculation. Uh, Takeem, what changes would you make to Titans to make them more Reckoning Endgame competitive? You have to understand something. Titans are not terrible in raids. They're not. They get the job done. Okay? They get the job done. They have they have some utility. And they, you know, they can they're fast. They can kind of skate. Okay. It's reckoning where they feel the worst. Because reckoning is built for those exotics. Right? So Titans can do some pretty cool things in the end game. It's just that when you get done playing with Skull and Orpheus Rigs Tether, you're like, ugh, Titan, bleh. You know, when I went from shards, pre-nerf shards, you know, when I went when I went from shards to Titan, it's just really, really hard. You know, it's just really, really hard to do that. You feel exceptionally weak. So, I would think. If they tool and retune those exotics, everybody's kind of on a level playing field. As long as we're going into the content and feeling somewhat equal, then the content just has to be tooled in a way that it's fun and enjoyable. FWC Guardian. With the thought that a skeleton crew is probably handling things right now, you think that skeleton crew can rework Reckoning in time? Probably not. Probably not. If it, you know, if they're taking that under advisement and they're, you know, taking that feedback in, it would probably. I would assume if they didn't anticipate needing to change reckoning with these nerfs. So if day one opulence lands and they're like, we're not doing anything to reckoning, I would say a month into opulence, maybe they could try and do something. If I mean, if you're not going to do it at least a month in, then it's going to just slowly, 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 just even worse than it is now. Like, engagement with Reckoning's got to be pretty bad. So, and I don't think they would leave it behind willingly. They might have to leave it behind out of necessity. Uh, Kiru, do you think the lore additions to the seasons were enough? Should they have kept telling the story with cutscenes like they did in Forsaken? I mean, that's not the goal of the annual pass, though. I don't have a problem with the with the lore additions, and I thought the cutscenes were good. I thought we got some pretty cool cutscenes. We got to, you know, talk to um, the queen. We got to see Aldrin come back to life. Uh, there weren't a lot of cinematic cutscenes, but there was at least some dialogue, and then getting to see the stuff with the Drifter. So between the stuff with the queen and the invitations with Zur, I think there's been plenty of there's been plenty of stuff. For an annual pass that said it wasn't really going to focus on story and cutscenes, I feel like we did pretty good in Drifter. Unfortunately, the rest of Drifter is pretty weak, but I actually thought the storytelling and stuff was actually really good. Karma says, Can I skip all of Drifter content when Opulence releases? I don't really care about invitations and Drifter Vanguard choice. Doesn't seem to be a huge impact. Do you think I'll run into groups on LFG saying must have Outbreak? Probably. I mean, I, it just depends. It really depends on the encounters in raids. It depends on the if, if you're trying to get people for whatever it is you're trying to do. If 
Outbreak starts to really land on endgame content well, and they kind of leave it be. Maybe they don't really cap the nanites. Maybe they let it be as strong as it is, like, for a while. You may end up wanting it. Keep in mind, there's probably going to be surge bounties. Almost assuredly, there'll be surge bounties. You could get those surge bounties, and then you could go get Outbreak. You know what I'm saying? Outbreak by then won't be that hard to get. Do the surge bounties, find some buds, find some members of this community or somewhere else, and then go get Outbreak perfected, because the surge bounties would make you strong enough to run the content. Uh, Dr. Cleveland, when was the last time you played D1? Playing Does playing D2 make you miss D1 anyway? There was a night, like a month ago, I was, you know, we were having drinks, and I was like, let's boot up D1, and I was on the Cosmodrome for like five minutes, and then we decided to do something else. I forget what we decided to do, but I did it, the, the, it was the frame rate and the FOV was painful. <laughs> it was, uh, and I had, uh, I had on the outbreak. Interestingly enough, before the outbreak came back to D2, I had the outbreak equipped and I was just like shooting some stuff in, uh, on, uh, on the Cosmodrome. And, um, the, the main thing I missed from D1 is the, is the raids because age of triumph just really took us back into the, into the glory you know, it really did. It was probably one of the best, if not the best time in D1. Flying Wraith. Given the generally poor reception engagement to Season of the Drifter, if Season of Opulence is a flop, how do you think it'll affect Destiny going into September? I mean, <clears throat> this is why they're in a real weird spot right now, because Opulence lands a week before E3. They're unconfirmed going to E3. We have no confirmation that they're going to E3. So the marketing for, uh, for for September, I'm not sure what their game plan is. A lot of people have said they're going to skip E3 and then they're going to show everything at, at Guardian Con. And I'm like, I mean, Guardian Con is... Uh, Guardian Con is good, but Guardian Con doesn't have the reach that E3 does with respect to the viewing public, Right. Guardian Con's a great focus time for the Destiny community to get excited about Destiny, but keep a few things in mind. It's on a holiday week, so there might be people not even paying attention to view. Okay. 39 months from Dano, dude. Welcome back, Dano. You the homie. Um, E3, even though E3 is going down in demand of people attending and companies attending... The interviews and the viewership is always very, very high for E3. And it's also a great way for if you do an interview with IGN, if you do an interview with GameSpot, if you do an interview with whoever, then that gets cycled. IGN cycles through your here, hey, check us out. Do we got to interview Bungie about the next thing? Blah 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 blah. That's a really, really self-functioning marketing mechanic and tool that you're not utilizing. You gotta send like four people to E3. That's all you got to do. You don't need a booth. You don't need it to be playable. You just show up and you do some interviews. And that's that's like really, really easy and affordable marketing. You don't got to pay IGN or GameSpot or Twitch or any of the other places that will interview you to promote your content. They're going to promote your content because interviewing you is content for them as well. So I would, I'm just going to be super, super shocked if they skip E3. Now, if they skip E3 because it's just too close to opulence and they don't want to start promoting whatever's coming in September, then I would anticipate them doing some type of stream schedule leading up to Guardian Con. 
right? Some weekly streams leading up to say, here's what's coming, this is what's going on, this is what we're doing, we're going to have this and this and this playable at Guardian Hunt. Like, because th- that view, that viewing public, that marketing machine, they want to get that rolling. Because if they don't go to E3 and they do their own streams, that still functions really well because then people grab the clips, people grab the details, then IGN reports on it, GameStop reports on it, Game Informer, GameSpot, like all the outlets start reporting on it, the streamers, the YouTubers, Reddit gets a hold of it. You see what I'm saying? They've got to, they've got to start marketing September, but the question is when will they start? They will market it and talk about it, but you're asking what if opulence flops? That's probably one of the reasons we may not see them at E3. They don't want to start taking people's attention off of opulence. If they're like, look at all the great stuff that's coming in September, (coughs) then people might say, (coughs) excuse me, sorry. People might say, why even bother playing right now? Look at all the good stuff that's coming there. Ah, forget opulence. See what I'm saying? It's very dangerous. You got to be careful with the messaging. Especially if September aims to make improvements on some of the core fundamentals in the game, people are going to be like, why am I going to put up with some of this crap now? Look at all the quality of life coming in September. Uh, Six legit. In your opinion, what would your recommendation for a loadout, including class, going into the Crucible with no outbreak? If you're going into the Crucible... On PC, I would use Ace of Spades. If you don't like hand cannons, then I would use Bygones or the Blast Furnace or the Go Figure. Uh, If you don't have an Ace of Spades and you like hand cannons, you could try and get a good service revolver. Uh, As far as class, I'm pretty sure in PvP, I think Hunters are still very, very strong in PvP. Uh, And then Titans too. Titans are just shoulder-charging shotgun maniacs. So you put on a good shotgun, get yourself a good, um, yourself a good Badlander or something, and just shoulder charge around. Get out your hammerhead, uh, you know, a machine gun. I don't know. That would probably get you into a pretty good, uh, pretty good place. Deeds. What do you think they can do for a Titan subclass super exotic to make him on par with the other warlocks? Well, we gotta wait until they 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 bring everything down. They got to bring everything down first, and then we got to see where everybody lands. Because once Skull Rigs and Phoenix Protocol get nerfed, we got to see how it how it shakes out before we can start saying what they need to do. Uh, Troll Annie, if there is one thing for Bungie to take away from Season of Drifter, good or bad, what do you think it should be? Don't take away player intentionality. That would be the biggest thing they should take away from it. Do not take away player intentionality because. You, you will put up with content that's not so great if there's player intentionality. I wasn't a huge fan of the skeleton key grind. I didn't like it all that much. But because I had intentionality and I was setting my sights on a specific and a particular target, I stayed in a lane that I didn't enjoy all that much. People would have probably put up with reckoning a whole lot longer and a whole lot more if there was intentionality woven into it with respect to the guns so FWC Guardian with the annual pass offering nothing to the crucible community uh, do you think the next season needs to offer them something this is why people are thinking that they're going to bring something PvP oriented to Guardian Con because they know opulence was already planned and being built by vicarious visions 
And I don't know how much crucible control they wanted to give the Vicarious Visions. So Opulence could be one more season of, like, nothing really for the Crucible. But then on the heels of that, Bungie likes to speak to vacancies they create, right? They create a vacancy, they take something away, and then they like to use that as, like, hey, we're bringing this back, we're doing this thing, whatever. So, they could very easily speak to that vacancy and be like, hey, we know Crucible hasn't gotten a whole lot of updates every season other than Pinnacle Weapons, Check out what we're doing at Guardian Con. People think they're going to bring trials to Guardian Con. I, I that's going to be bizarre unless again it's completely repackaged and retooled, uh, especially if it's elimination. Getting to play at a at a getting to play an elimination game mode where you're spectating and not able to play in an environment like that, I don't think would go over that well. Unless they're going to bring it and it's not playable, but they bring it and they get people to enter into a tournament and you watch really, really good players jump in. If they're going to do that, I would start watching some of the players over the next month. What are what are some of the big name sweat players doing in June? If they're suddenly playing and practicing with their buds and their teammates and you know we catch wind of that, then there may be something happening. But if none of those guys come back and start playing and practicing, I just wouldn't anticipate it being anything like that. I would think it'd be a new mode or a new activity. Um, now, here's something they could easily do. If they, if we are going back to the Dreadnought, okay? If we are going back to the Dreadnought, they could have an activity on the Dreadnought and that's what you get to come and play. Because that's a lot of nostalgia, that's a lot of, hey, we're going back to the Dreadnought. You want to check out the new activity that's going to be happening there? The new Court of Oryx? Come to Guardian Con and check it out. It could be something like that, too. I, I think that would work. That would be a pretty strong draw. Um, so, Court of Savathun, yeah. Crimson Link, do you think the amount of newer perks is a good step forward? Also, do you think adding these perks and the ones from Black Armory into the general loot pool would be a, would go a long way to making loot pursuit better? Well, there were no new loot. There were no almost, I don't know of any new perks that came in Black Armory. They reused a couple like Disruption Break and then they added Shield to Sorian. I guess that was a new one. Um, well, I mean, you got to be careful. You start adding everything to the general loot pool. Um... You start adding to the general loot pool, and it can get pretty. Uh, it can get pretty rough. Um, there's a lot of really bad splits. Um, appearance fee, Gemini Christmas. That is a terrible. I'm looking at the the tweet of the Tifu Phase Clan splits. I don't want to throw that into this Q and A. Those splits are terrible. <laughs> Those are terrible. Um, anyway. So, yeah, I, I think sometimes you got to keep those loot pools. Uh, it's good to have loot pools that have cool stuff, and the general loot pool needs more generic stuff sometimes. I think that's good. Uh, Gritter. While I do heavily agree that matchmaking in a raid is bad in Destiny, do you feel that maybe Reckoning is an experiment for Bungie to test matchmaking for activities that require raid-like teamwork? Do you think Bungie learns from Reckoning and going forward for six-person matchmade activities? It depends. Um, it, it depends. Uh, Keemstar tweeted the breakdown of the splits. Uh, if you want to see the breakdown of the splits, Keemstar tweeted it out. Um, 
And even Keemstar, who has been largely defending FaZe and Banks because he's friends with them and has ties with them, even he says in his tweet, OMG, is this contract horribly bad for Tifu? So even Keem is, is, is adjusting to the actual truth in the narrative now. Um, that's, it's a terrible breakdown. I might actually have to do a talk and a Q&A about this situation. I, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm friends with, I'm friends with Tifu. He's a nice guy. We've interacted a couple of times. He let me shoutcast his stuff. He let me put it on YouTube. He retweeted one of my shoutcasts of one of his games. I love the guy and I felt for Banks. I may have to do a talk and a Q&A session about it because I've been following it and I, a lot of what I said was probably going on is in fact coming to fruition. I think a lot of my, a lot of my, perception and predictions are coming to fruition I kind of read the landscape uh, appropriately so and it'd be cool to commentate on how it all developed and talk about the landscape of esports and contracts and stuff because I'm with an agency myself and it uh, it's a very different world that we live in now I don't know if they're ever going to do matchmaking for raids though now what they did with reckoning could have been an experiment for like maybe horde mode style stuff because they did matchmaking for the forges then they did matchmaking for the Reckoning, and then there's a six-man matchmade activity in Opulence. It's probably going to be like a horde mode. I've anticipated it being a horde mode in the Castellum. So, uh, Cruxley, as a console player, do you think my time would be better spent chasing Recluse or Breakneck as my first pinnacle weapon? Um. I don't know. Recoil's kind of rough on console, so I don't know. I can't comment on Recluse or Breakneck because I love break, Breakneck on, on on PC, but I've heard it's not as good on console. People in chat are saying Recluse, Recluse, Recluse. There's your answer. CP4 Gators. Bungie said our first choice is to buff underused weapons, but if we continue to push every weapon up higher and higher, it will be impossible to maintain challenging experiences. How do they paint themselves into this corner? Um... Each archetype is limited. This goes back to my commentary about leaving guns behind. There's only so much you can do to hand cannon archetypes. There's only so many perks you can add before you're like, this is the best hand cannon, right? That's why leaving them behind is so important because then you're motivated to chase the new really awesome hand cannon. And you're like, but I don't like that. That doesn't respect my time. This is exactly the problem. There's only so much they can do within given perks and given archetypes before you have the best sniper, the best rocket launcher, the best machine gun, the best everything. And once you have those best things, they can't go above that ceiling. If they go above that ceiling, as they say here, it's impossible to maintain challenging experiences. When they go above that ceiling and then they build the content for it, like let's say they add a bunch of new weapons, both pinnacle legendaries, legendaries, perks, and exotics. And all those things take you above the current power threshold ceiling. And they're insanely strong. They're nuts. They're crazy, and they're like, the only way we're going to be able to make content challenging is we're going to make the bosses have ridiculous health pools, and the enemies, and the majors, and the saturation of enemies has got to be insanely high. You just made solution really narrow for that content, because you need all the new, really dope, awesome stuff, really dope, awesome, mega powerful stuff to even engage in that content, which makes it feel like Reckoning. Because Reckoning is, use these exotics, or it's not very fun. Even when you're using these exotics, it's not very fun. So you have to understand... I, I I don't know another way of painting the picture. The game is a playground, and on that playground there are rules. There are trash ads, shielded enemies, majors, mini-bosses, bosses, raid bosses. There's a spectrum of enemies. There's a spectrum of weaponry. There's only so much damage you can output before the content is trivialized, okay? Or false difficulty, where they just delta the frick out of your face, and you die and struggle because everything is stronger than you. Not true challenge that can be met and overcome, but cheating, basically, to give you a terrible advantage, okay? So whether you play Destiny during Forsaken, 
Black Armory, Drifter, Opulence, and beyond, those rules on the playground are always in play. So, the hand cannon that you used a year and a half ago, if you keep leveling it up and keep bringing it with you, if it does a great job as a primary, if it's got a great role, if it does a good job within its archetype, you can't unseat it. It's not possible. It isn't possible. The only way you unseat it is by leaving it behind or nerfing it. These are the facts. It's not me wanting to take away your toy or me wanting to take away your prized possessions. It simply is the fact of the matter. A year from now, whatever content they deliver, whatever raid, whatever strike, whatever activity they deliver, the rules on the playground exist. You can't go, you can't start breaking power hierarchy. You either trivialize the content or they have to create content that is centered around a particular build and then you're not having fun because you have to run that build just in order to meet the landscape of challenge. It's just the nature of it. So in this thing, you're like, how do they paint themselves into this corner? This is This is the game. This is why nobody gets it. Every time we get in this discussion, everybody's like, that's not respecting my time. If you take away my guns, if I can't level them up, what the frick do you think they're going to do then? How many hand cannons do you think they can come up with? How many perks? How many pulse rifles, auto rifles, rocket launchers? How many things do you think they can come up with? So like every six months to eight months to 12 months to 18 months to 24 months, you have an interest in chasing stuff. It isn't possible. It's mathematically impossible. Now you could say, but they could match it. Well, then you don't care as much. If you're just chasing a hand cannon or a pulse rifle that's as good as a gun you already have, incentive dies. Because some bad RNG, some bad runs, some bad weeks where you don't get the drop you want, I would have never put up with 53 skeleton keys, 400 and something odd strikes, close to 500 strikes, right? I wouldn't have done that for the Imago loop if I had my Fatebringer. I wouldn't have! I had no need. I wouldn't have been using the the palindrome up to that point either. Games like this have to chop off the pass to move forward. It's just the way they do it. They do it in other MMOs. And when you have a game like this, it is having a perpetual experience, a perpetual loot chase. You, you literally can't do this. The old loot is an infection in the game, and nobody gets it. Everyone's wondering why they can't add new stuff. Everybody's wondering why nobody wants to play, because you're freaking clutching year one gear with white knuckles, and you're insisting on that, and it's going to kill the game. It will kill this game. Allowing that expectation and demand to live this long is going to murder the game. It will. It is, a, it is an anchor in the bottom of the boat. It's going to drag the game under the water. I come from MMOs and I'm used to throwing away gear every few months. I'm telling you, I've been banging on this drum for months because I, I, like, I'm, I'm telling you, this is, the pro- this is one of the foundational problems. It's, it, 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 it messes with the buffing and the nerfing too. Right? I think Bungie will not pull the trigger on starting fresh in year three. We'll have this same discussion in six months then, Finn. I think. I'm serious. I I just... It's really unfortunate. Because you're choosing between two evils. You are choosing between two evils. You either let the old gear drag the game under the water and drown it slowly, or 
you tick everybody off that wants to keep their gear and you know what they're gonna do they're gonna play anyway they're going to play anyway. If you take away their Midnight Coup, if you take away their Ikalash Shotgun, I don't mean take it away, I mean they can't infuse it up anymore. They're going to play anyway. Their passion, their anger, their fervor, their attachment to loot is proof that they will not stop playing. You have hooked them. This is why Classic WoW is so hyped, because you throw away the pass to start over. Same thing, but in reverse. Right. Very little of the year one legendary gear is used today. That's again, that's another point though, Cat King. You're dragging the game underwater for like four pieces of gear. That's how stupid and short-sighted the whole conversation is. Dragging the game under the water for a couple of guns, a couple. It's it's not like you have this armory collection of great gear from year one and year two. It's like a handful of guns. I have everything PVE related, but still play every day. Yeah, but if you, Gritter, if you look at the general conversation and consensus on on Reddit and Twitter and the forums and YouTube and this chat, and you look at the engagement numbers, this isn't working. It isn't working. Perpetual gear forever is a it is a freaking fool's errand. It's a fool's errand. You can't do it. It doesn't work. It's not working now. I'm a hardcore grinder. I grinded for god rolls of every single black armory weapon, okay? But you know what I didn't do? I didn't chase any of the guns because I needed them. It was just kind of like I have nothing else to do. I didn't chase any of the loot in, in, in Last Wish. I didn't need any of it. Look at what I did when I, like, it was like, I don't even know how, it was maybe three or four weeks and I didn't get the chattering bones that I wanted. And I just gave up. I was like, I don't need it. I don't need it. Part of the problem is the loot in Last Wish isn't unique enough. Like, the curated version of the of the Chattering Bones should be a unique and stand-apart gun. Like, I shouldn't be able to get a Bygones or a Go Figure and feel like it's practically equal to a Chattering Bones. That's part of the problem, too. But another part of the problem is I didn't need any of your freaking loot in your raid because I had Pinnacle loot from year one. I had an Ikelos shotgun. I had a Midnight Coup. I grinded for a midnight. I'm grinded for a warden's law of my own volition and choice, knowing I didn't really need to. It was like I'm a stubborn. I was like, no, I'm leaving. I want to leave some of this gear behind. And the reason I get on this, I, I get on this soapbox so many times, is because it's just like, I, 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 I don't know. I feel like I can see it. It's like when Neo finally sees the Matrix. I'm like, I can see it. I can see how much. All this loot and this philosophy is just limiting incentive. It limits their ability to make new winsome loot. Because if all of a sudden September landed and you had to leave behind everything up to that point, you couldn't infuse anything higher, but they started showing you new hand cannons, new auto rifles, new pulse rifles with new perks, you're interested twice as much. There's two reasons you're interested. Number one, because you need it. And number two, you're like, new perks, cool. In D1, the guns were all in the loot pool at the beginning of the year, for the most part. Uh, now trickling the content out hurts the idea of leaving gear behind. This is why I think Bungie will not do it. That's a that's a that's a that's a well-made point, Finn. But even then, everything could have a year life cycle. So whatever you earned, because think about it like this: 
Whatever you earn in opulence can't become obsolete like a month or two later. That's stupid. Admittedly, that's stupid. (laughs) So, whatever you earn in opulence, you should just know... I can use this stuff till next summer, basically. And then next summer, they'll boost the power level, and I'll have to leave this stuff behind. Right? It's like a rolling calendar. So you're not having your entire loot pool gutted every 12 months. It's like every 12 months, there's a segment of your loot pool that's sort of getting replenished, rejuvenated, refreshed, and left behind. Uh, Kairu with 31 months. Thank you, dude. Says yeet. So, I... I don't want to belabor the point. I've gone on this rant many, many times before, and I just, I, I think they're related, right? They are related. The The question of painting themselves into a corner and everything I just ranted about, they're intrinsically linked. Those pro- These problems are connected big time. Uh, Judge 2008. Um... What are some exotics you think will rise up with the nerfs that are upcoming? I have zero clue. I think that tonight in the TWAB, today is May 23rd. I think tonight's TWAB is going to I, I'm potentially have some like buffs in it. Hey, we nerfed some stuff. We're going to buff some stuff, you know, but they wanted to rip the bandaid off first before they start talking about that stuff. Phoenix Fire, given some of the dialogue from the adventure on Nessus, uh, on Nessus, is opulence possibly a reference to content centered around Kalos? Yes, 100%. Some of the early Penumbra screenshots even sh- uh, screenshots even showed um, screenshots from the Leviathan. Uh, Samarath says, some folks are concerned when Destiny 3 gets here, we'll have to restart with no gear again. You think they'll just wipe the slate clean or will you carry over this time? I mean, everything I just ranted about, if you don't have your, if you don't want your gear reset in Destiny 3, I don't know who you are or what your motivations are. I, what the frick are we doing? What are we doing? When I went from Diablo 2 to 3, I didn't bring my stuff with me. Like, I don't understand. Borderlands 2 to Borderlands 3. Borderlands 1 to Borderlands 2. It's a new game! Like, you're bringing your Guardian with you, sure. But, like, what are we talking about? It's a loot pursuit game, and you don't want new loot? Huh? I, I, I don't get it. Why would you be concerned? And then the classic comeback. Then what's the point in chasing it, Lono? It's a hobbyist. It's a hobbyist game. Like you get the loot. The loot makes you feel cooler and stronger. So when you're playing, you feel cooler and stronger, stronger while you're playing. But you can't. You can't just keep carrying stuff with you for forever. I, I don't understand. I, I just I don't understand. Don't take my crab just to make me grind for it again. Yeah, but King Crab, they trickled in some exotics, but like all of the armor sets, all of the guns. I mean, you could say some of them are reskins, but they're they're new. Go figure. Bygones, all the gambit guns, all the reckoning guns, all the black armory guns—they're all new. All the guns in Last Wish, all the armor sets—it's all new. You're not grind. You're not grinding for anything you left behind in D1. Couple of exotics. The the, the the percentage of 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 Destiny One exotics that have come back, underneath all of the stuff that they added—that's new. 
And if you're like, well, it's basically the same. Exactly. It's basically the same. There's only so much they can do within the, the archetype of a hand cannon, a shotgun, a, a, a pulse rifle. There's only so much they can do. Of course, they're going to be very, very similar. You know? That's the point. That's the point. When you play Diablo 2 or 3, y- yes, there are swords, there are shields, there are axes, there are there are uh, there are maces. Yeah, well, I had, I had these in Di- Diablo 2, and they basically function the same way. Yep. There were shotguns in Borderlands 2, just like there were shotguns in Borderlands 1, and they played by a lot of the same rules with reload stats and range and everything else. <laughs> you know? I. <laughs> it's just, I don't know. It's a loot. These are loot pursuit games. They're loot pursuit games. And listen, it seems so backwards, but the fact that we're even having this discussion proves that it's better to leave the loot behind and have you chase new loot. Why? Your your passion, your fervor, your attachment to your loot shows how strong of a motivator it actually is, which means chasing it and getting it is so exciting and that's that excitement and that chase is neutered and watered down when you don't have vacancy in your loadout you don't have a reason to really fill those gaps because you're carrying stuff for forever Nutaria, do you believe Bungie is purposely shying away from vent armor uh, revamp and armor catalyst when it's needed at this point I think I think there's some triggers they haven't pulled because they're going to pull them in September. Using the NPCs, using the old loot pools, I I think they're going to pull that trigger in September or start to pull some of those triggers. This could be similar to what you're talking about. Armor revamps and armor catalysts and stuff. It could just be something they're they're waiting to pull the trigger on. Or they're never going to do it, I don't know. There's only so much you can do with armor. So... Nova Hands. Hey, Lono, why do you think there's such inconsistency across the game when it comes to loot chase and intentionality? Drifter has one content loop, Forge is another. Wouldn't a more consistent approach benefit the game? This is why having other companies build your DLC can get a little problematic. This is not the only time this has ever happened. Um, there were similar issues in the Borderlands DLCs, right? People people were frustrated by some of the the pretty sharp differences between some of the DLCs. Now, it wasn't a very strong criticism, but there was noticeably, you know, style and philosophy differences between the DLCs in Borderlands 2. This never became a huge point of criticism and contention, but it was periodically mentioned that some of the DLCs felt better than others or felt different or more or less Borderlands than others. And then obviously, like, Tiny Tina's is, like, the favorite you know, and then you got like Hammerlocks being the least favorite. This is just something that's going to happen when other companies are making the content. You know, that the, the difference in intentionality is notable. It, I don't know how you unify that. Now, this is one of the reasons maybe people leaving and Luke Smith being in charge and kind of washing over the company could be a really, really good thing because they could basically say, let's unify the vision. 
if the vision is unified that's a little bit easier to transmit to whoever is building the dlc this is our goal this is our vision for bounties intentionality loopable content weapon rolls etc and then that helps those companies build but they're not really going to be working with other companies as far as we know because that that relationship has changed given that high moon studios and vicarious visions are attached to activision and they're no longer going to be building content for Destiny. Murph Dog. I know I've asked this before, but I can't remember what you said. Do you think Bungie needs to fix Zavala's loot pool? I ground for about 200 tokens. I think if Zavala had rotating bounties like Ada originally had, and you would grind those bounties in the strike playlist, that would make him function perfectly as an NPC, and it would give the strike playlist purpose. That's what I think they need to do. The tokens, what the frick? Get them the frick out of here. What are we doing? I, that's just a, that's a stowaway. The tokens for Zavala and, and, and Shaxx is like a stowaway from year one. They just got to figure out what they want to do with those guys with rank and grind and change it and then get rid of the tokens. Let you trade them in for something once they do that. Evil the Waffler. We all love the quest for Outbreak. Do you think they should have all exotics like this? No, I think there's room for different ways of getting exotics, quests, um, specific things you could do. Having it be a mystery like this, or then having them in raids, I think is fine too. I do think after you hit a certain number of raid completions, Anarchy and 1K Voices should drop as a quest on your, you know, 15th completion or something. Uh... Because if you can only do it three times in a week, I think after a month, right, on your 13th completion, you should get it as a quest. If your RNG is that sucky, then a month after a raid launches, I think it would be totally fine for them to say, hey, you hit your 13th completion, we want to honor your investment, here's a quest. And when you complete the quest, you'll get the exotic. That could be a good backstop for people that are dying to get a 1k or an anarchy. Uh, Mysterit says what's one thing you would say Destiny does really well especially compared to other looter shooters if you could change one thing about the game what would it be they are the most satisfying shooter in existence this is the most satisfying first person shooter you can play no competition nothing comes close Titanfall 2 and Apex Legends comes close but this is still the most satisfying shooter it's why never figuring out PvP is such a sad story because the, the gun, the shooting mechanics, the feel of winning a gunfight is just, it's so good, right? What's one thing they could do, they could change about the game? I would say at a ground level, engine. If they switched engines, a lot comes with that. If they switch the engine, a lot comes with that. A lot bigger areas can come from that. Uh, more adaptable for patches, updates, creating content, dedicated servers could come with that. So I think engine would be the one thing I would change. Because right now, right now, you um, you can't, you, you really can't, um, you can't do dedicated servers with this engine. So apparently Lono's never played on console. Even on console, this is still the most satisfying shooter in existence. Just because there's Bloom, right? Just because there's Bloom and weird recoil and weird in-air accuracy doesn't mean the look and feel of Destiny as a shooter is superior to other shooters. 
I played this game. I'm a day one beta player. I've been playing since it came out on console. Console feels phenomenal. Just because you're going into the PvP environment and you're using hand cannons with bad bloom and recoil against not forgottens doesn't negate anything I said about the way this game feels as a shooter. By the way, if you're new to the stream, you've never been here before, this is an interactive segment that I do with Q&A. If you like this style of content, be sure to click the follow button. That is the little heart button that helps support the stream, and it's free to do that. Ness says, On June 4th, do you think there will be new activities to grind for power or just regular milestones? No idea. I would assume there would be surge bounties for the people that are behind, but I don't know if they're going to have new stuff to do right out of the gate. Maybe, because if you're not grinding for the raid, what is there going to be for you day one? You know? Uh, Skiffy Skiffles says even with the nerfs to skull rigs and the other regen armor do you think it will really make a difference next season with super mods it pretty much negates the diminishing return nerf number one you don't know that because you don't know the diminishing return nerf you don't know what level it's hitting so you can't say that you could be wrong you could be right but let's say you're right if you put on super mods to negate the nerf you're losing a lot in doing that so at the very least you're trading you're trading resilience and recovery Um, I happen to think you're probably wrong just because diminishing returns is about how much super energy you get back and super mods dictates how fast your super comes back. So it's a different, they're applying to different stats. Now, is it going to make a big difference in what people use? No, it's not. People are still going to gravitate to skull, Phoenix protocol and rigs because other exotics in the game don't have as much of an influence as something that feeds you your super back. So I don't think it's going to actually change loadouts that much. What it's going to do, I think, I think it's going to allow them to create content that makes more sense with a respective challenge and not feel like Reckoning did, where it's like, you have to run these exotics. Best of me. Speaking of Aldrin, how do you think uh, they will play, they will pay that off in D2? If they'll hold that until D3? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what their plans are for him. Holding him off till D3, I mean, they certainly like to take people out of the picture and bring him back a long time later. They did that with the Queen. You know, she dies in the opening cutscene for the Taken King. And then she doesn't show up until Forsaken. Um, you know, a couple years later. So they, they definitely could use him way down the line or immediately. There's no way to predict that. Takim, since we don't know Drifter's class and we never see him use light abilities, do you think in Opulence Bungie will use him to introduce new powers? No. Um, the new powers we're going to get would probably be in the next game. I don't think they're going to... I think the next year, so once we get, you know, September and beyond, isn't going to be about new powers or new subclasses or new attunements. It'll just be about new gear and new loot and new stuff to chase new activities. They're going to try to read. I think they're just going to try and rejuvenate all of the game's loot pools and activities that we already have. Again, marketing that's going to be tough, but I think that's what they're going to try to do. The Mac Bull. Sorry I'm not familiar with these things. When is Guardian Con and E3, please, and why is it so important to Destiny? Okay, so E3 is June 11th, 12th, and 13th, and 14th, something like that. June 10th, 11th, and 12th, and 13th. It's it's at that week. I think it's June 11th. Um, Guardian Con is 
the week end of July 4th. So July 4th is a Thursday. Guardian Con is July 5th and 6th in Orlando, Florida. Now you're like, why are these so important? Traditionally, Bungie goes to E3 and talks about whatever they're going to be doing in September. That's just been kind of their marketing plan. Um, so, and you're saying, what are these things? Okay. Well, when they are and what they are is, is equally important because E3 is the Electronic and Entertainment Expo in California. It happens every year, middle of June, and lots of game companies go there to promote their games and do interviews. Uh, Mike Apex with four months. Thank you. And Guardian Con is a Destiny-born uh, conference. That's why it's called Guardian Con. It was kind of born out of the Destiny community. It's grown beyond being a Destiny convention. It is now just a normal gaming convention where... Um, other games will be there. Borderlands 3 will be there. Uh, I think even uh, Warframe will be there again. This last year they did something with Fortnite and Realm Royale. So lots of places show up. Co- you know, Control Freaks and G Fuel and Astro and DX Racer, they tend to show up as well. It's basically a conference. These conferences are basically their time to let companies come and show off their product and developers show off their games or make announcements about their games. So given E3's ties to the history of Bungie's marketing strategy and rhythm and Guardian Con's history with the community, these are important times to give, like, information to the community. Last year at Guardian Con, you could go and play Gambit, and Gambit was brand new, nobody had touched it yet, it had been played at E3, and that's it. Um, So that was your chance to play Gambit, and it was well-received, and people loved it, because you played with curated loadouts, nobody knew the strategy yet, it was really, really fun. So, Guardian Con also kind of functions as two aspects. It's it's a time for the community to come together and have a conference, but it also is an enor- an enormous arm of Guardian Con is the St. Jude charity drive they do every year. Super uh, MG says, "What would you put Seasons of Pinnacle weapons in a tier list compared to previous seasons?" Luna's Mountaintop Breakneck. I think Breakneck's probably the best PVE pinnacle weapon that we've gotten because I didn't think Loaded Question was very good and the Oxygen's kind of butts. Uh, Luna's is probably the best PVP pinnacle weapon. Well, not forgotten. It's the best pinnacle weapon that you've gotten. Mountaintop is okay. And then um, the the Claymore the Claymore and the Broadsword kind of got left behind. Um, kind of got left behind. Luna's and Not Forgotten and Recluse are kind of interchangeable though because like Luna's and Not Forgotten are really good on console um Recluse probably gets more representation on PvP but on PC I mean Recluse also is an amazing PvE weapon so people would probably say Recluse is better than Breakneck in PvE but as far as where they land you know Breakneck's amazing before Recluse shows up Delirium's better than Breakneck yeah maybe maybe I forgot about the delirium delirium is really good too that's the machine gun uh naughty bear gaming we know borderlands 3 will be playable at guardian con and somebody in chat asked me if I'm gonna be at guardian con I will be there I'm not involved with any of the any of the activities I don't want to do panels I'm not gonna be doing any of the charity drive stuff I literally just show up to talk to the community and hang out on the floor um and then go to like the parties and stuff I did that last year and I enjoyed it a thousand times more. I've got other stuff going on this summer that'll be announced soon. It's just not good for the scheduling to try to be involved and do other things and charity drives and all that. I've got other stuff going on that'll be announced soon. I'm working on other stuff outside of that environment in the Destiny community and that 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 place. I've kind of moved into other 
fields. But I will be there if you want to meet me. Um, so, we know Borderlands 3 will be playable at GuardianCon. Do you think Bungie reveals something at GuardianCon? It seems they're going to bring something that's playable. That's been hinted at, yes, but we don't know what. Uh, Gary, do you think September will be a big release content-wise? Yes. Uh, Roth says... With unknown player and more console quitting YouTube and opening a restaurant, have you thought about your future after streaming? Thanks. Um, one of the reasons I got a talent agency uh, and was excited that they reached out to me, I didn't reach out to them. In both cases, when CSA, the agency that represents Golden Boy, reached out to me and they were watching me, uh, they kind of had me on their radar. But then when this other agency, when Abrams reached out to me, I was very excited because in both cases they liked what I was doing and they saw uh, they saw potential. Um, so the uh, that's sort of my vision of like how to think about the future. Eventually, what I would like to do, like a year from now, I would like streaming to be the main arm of the business, but for it to have a lot of other things that I'm doing: shoutcasting, hosting, interviews. And then, again, having a platform that is good for sponsored opportunities, commercials, etc. Like, getting to that point where there's a lot of other things that I'm doing. Because then that leads to other industries, that leads to other business opportunities as well. Um, Not 100% tied to streaming. Streaming still being the primary thing that I'm doing, because it just works so well with my personality and what what I enjoy, but also what I'm good at, so... And this summer, we didn't anticipate the agency paying off as quickly as it did. Usually it takes a while to get things going. This summer is going to be really, really exciting. You guys are going to be really pleased with some things that that are going to happen. So those announcements will be forthcoming. Uh, Frank says, some people are saying Destiny 3 wouldn't go to PC because it holds a smaller player base. I say it will for sure. Uh, They absolutely, they absolutely would not leave the PC behind. Um... That would be a horrible mistake. They would never do that. Uh, Evil the Waffler. You said you think time travel's involved in Destiny 3. If they do that to bring us back to the start of D1 and redo D1 and D2 from a different viewpoint, would you think that'd be well-received from the community? Ooh, man, that would be fun, but man, oh man, oh man, that'd be rough. I don't know. I don't know if people would like that. I would love it. Um, I would love it to say we're going to go back pre-D1 and alter the course of history and make some changes and so that way we experience the Cosmodrome and and the moon and all those places in a different way with different weapons and different powers and abilities like we would actually create a new timeline that would be pretty dope but you got to be really careful it would have to be very very clear that it's a brand new game and the planets and the missions and everything are completely and utterly different. Um, you gotta be real careful. You gotta be real careful in how you package that. So. Mr. Anderson. I agree with throwing out the old and bringing in the new, but what I don't agree with is spending time grinding for cores and having to throw it away to get rid of cores. Thoughts? Um... What I don't agree with is spending time grinding for cores and then having to throw it away, get rid of cores. Oh, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, cores are are problematic for a variety of reasons. That's obviously another element of it. Uh, Fearless Leader. What is your opinion on more clan activation? 
clan only social space more flexibility and ranking in the clan man I don't know if uh, I don't know if that's a really big focus right now um, I would love there to be more clan functionality but I'm not going to create a laundry list because I think there's bigger issues at play and bigger things that need to be addressed loot content loop intentionality grind perks investment leveling there's so many other issues that need addressed clans just not at the top uh murph dog do you think they should buff the drop rates for all the catalysts i i mean i guess i don't really know some of the the catalysts are in a weird spot like running spire of stars for telesto and stuff like that running what is it prestige leviathan for the sleeper catalyst um yeah, I just, I don't know, man. I, I feel like Catalysts are in a really, really weird place. I feel like Catalysts should maybe just start unlocking after so much usage, and when it unlocks, it opens up like a mission or something? I don't know. Um, it, it's such, there. it's weird to have them dropping randomly from strikes and stuff, too. Like, I don't know how I feel about Catalysts. Sasquatch. Uh, I'm a player that took a break from Destiny 2 and this season specifically. Is there something from this season you would recommend a player that is coming back next season besides the zero hour mission? Um, From Season of the Drifter? No. There's nothing. I don't think there's really anything worth your time if you took a break this season. Like you said, other than zero hour and getting the outbreak perfected. Uh, Dragon Skin. This has probably been asked already. Do you think they should make it so all the NPCs have more active role in the game? Yes. Since December of 2017, okay, in sort of the aftermath of Destiny 2 being disappointment, I was an enormous proponent and advocate for doing more with the the NPCs. Ranking them up, earning things as you rank up, uh, NPCs have massively untapped potential, and I've been saying this for almost two entire years at this point now. They're you know ranking them up and having seasonal rewards that change. Uh, I think every planet should have every season. The planets should each get an exotic ghost sparrow and ship that you grind for as you level up that 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 NPC, and then I think the NPCs need loot pools that are utilized and grindable and do you know do like an Ada bounty system you could do the same thing with Drifter and Shax and Zavala NPCs are probably the single greatest untapped piece of grind potential in the entire game Evil the Waffler at launch D1 had people going crazy happy getting exotics because they were so rare but in D2 no one really cares when one drops do you think they should go back to D1 drop rates when D3 launches um I think drop rates are fine. I mean, if you grind like Warden's Law for a Warden's Law or something, you grind for a lot of the stuff. I mean, drop rates are also inconsistent. So you can do something that's very intentional like Ada's Bounties, but then you go and grind, you know, Reckoning for the guns and the drop rates are freaking terrible. So they're kind of inconsistent, honestly. Samurath. You think vehicular combat should be a thing in Destiny 3? And second, will larger skill trees make a comeback? I don't know about the larger skill trees. If they're going to go more hardcore RPG, if the leaks are to be believed, I would think so. Vehicular combat, probably not necessary. Uh, Thrally. If Bungie added a seasonal buff that was given to all new guns and some old ones, it would be only active during the season. It wouldn't make old content redundant because you might want to head back into Warden of Nothing when Warden's Law is buffed. Season after the Midnight Coup season after that midnight coup taking guns away 
remove the incentive to do old content. Well, not necessarily. Not necessarily. Like, raids just eventually kind of lose their luster, right? But they could give those guns new roles. They could put a new gun in there. If the Warden's Law gets retired, um, you could make it purchasable somewhere, right? And then just say, yeah, it's been out for a year. You can just buy it from this guy. Uh, and every time you buy it, maybe it drops a random roll. But at that point, it's irrelevant, right? Maybe it's getting left behind. You can't infuse it up. It's it's not going to be strong enough anymore. But then you could have the warden's the warden of nothing strike drop a different weapon, maybe a shotgun that looks similar to the warden's law, you know. And it's called the warden shield, and it's just a, a you know I don't know a shotgun that after you get a kill, it puts a shield in front of you. That would break PvP, but that'd be cool, right? And then maybe the shield, you can run at people and, like, kill them with the shield or something. Like, it would create, like, I don't know, I was just thinking of stuff off the top of my head. In any case, you could rejuvenate the Nightfall's loot to be different. I don't know. Uh, Dante Longfellow, you said after having a certain amount of raid completions that they would be able to receive a quest, but knowing people... Would they just stack raid completions till they hit, let's say, 13? Well, you'd have to be, um... It would have to be, like, a weekly thing. So you would basically grab a bounty from a raid NPC, and each time... After three completions, you cash in the bounty. And after you cash in that bounty, I don't know, six, six times or, or five times, then it unlocks the quest. So you would still only get the three chances that week for it to drop. Also, you'd only get three check marks on the tally. You couldn't, like, just grind that week. You know what I'm saying? You'd have to limit it. It would only be the three runs that actually drop loot. Those are the only runs that actually count toward whatever it is that's that's eventually unlocking the quest. So you couldn't do, like, 15 raid completions week one or week two or something. Yeah, a double barrel shotgun would be really cool because the Warden's Law has the two barrels. Uh, Dia Hawker says, What do you think above the price of Destiny? I'm a new player and I bought the two first DLCs, but now I want now I don't want to spend another 40 euros for Forsaken if it's not good. Uh, what is your idea? I think people that balk at price, I don't like to get into these discussions because if you bought DLC and you know and you bought Destiny in the first deal two DLCs and now you look at Forsaken, Forsaken comes packaged with the annual pass for probably a pretty low price. I don't think it's forty. It might be thirty or forty, and you get everything. Um, and Forsaken's a fantastic DLC. Again. If you want content, it generally costs money. Just because you waited a really long time to buy it doesn't mean that content is suddenly, you know, oh, it should just be free, right? It's 30 for everything. I mean, 30 for Forsaken and the Annual Pass, that's a lot of content for $30. The entire Forsaken campaign, okay, all the loot in Forsaken is well worth 30 or 35 or whatever the price is. On top of that, if the Annual Pass is getting thrown in, if you're going to try and argue that's a ripoff, I, I can't take you serious. That's tons of content for a very small amount of money. Uh, Fett with two months of subs, best content, no contest. Thank you very much. You're welcome back. This is my daily radio show. I appreciate it. If there's people here right now and you enjoy this daily radio show, the interactivity, the back and forth, be sure to click the follow button. That's the heart button. That's a free way to support my content. Uh, Krizzy, in what ways could you see the Titan class getting a buff? 
we gotta wait and see because if they're gonna bring everybody down to the same level then titans might not feel as weak I feel like Titans feel extra weak against the backdrop of some of the things that like the Hunter and the Warlock can do. We almost have to wait before we start to brainstorm. Why do they remove Faction Rally? It wasn't well received. They wanted to retool it. It's been on hiatus for a while, though. I would love to see it come back. Uh, Athos. As a day one player, I've supported Bungie through most changes. I feel the devs often go to over-the-top extreme changes that drastically affect the game. Are these changes helping or hurting the game and the community in the longer scheme of things? I think sometimes the pendulum swing is manufactured because it creates controversy, intrigue, and conversation. They do the same thing in, in, in Fortnite. We've talked about this. Epic is like, here's a patch. Everyone hates the patch. Everyone complains about the patch. Then they revert some of the changes and fix some of the things. And everyone's like, oh my gosh, thank you, Epic. And it's like, wait a minute, just two weeks ago, did you forget that they're the reason that these things were in there to begin with, right? Thank you so much, Deck, uh, for keeping your Twitch Prime stuff here that seven months. So for people to say, oh, why do they do these big drastic swings? Sometimes it's by design. Sometimes it's just because I think they've been in a reactionary stance since 2014, 2013, because they had to break the game apart and retool it. And ever since they've been trying to like play catch up. TK Lotus. Do you think strike specific loot should drop in match made strikes too? Or do you think the way, like the way that it is? I think strike specific loot should function differently than nightfall specific loot because the strike is a playlist you're staying in the playlist. That's why I feel like it should be like something that you do with Zavala, that every so many strikes, you get something, a chance to drop, or you're you're grinding for a specific item, and after so many strikes, you get that item. The same way you did so many things with the Forge, and then after so many runs, you got the gun. A similar idea, I think, could be implemented with the strike playlist. Samarath, any thoughts on if we should see more different frames and RPM weapons, such as sidearms, heavy machine guns, heavy bows? I don't really iterate on this. What I say is, let's get some legendary trace rifles. Let's get way more fusion rifles. Let's make linear fusions not suck so bad, because those are futuristic style weapons that could have way more presence in the game. That's what I argue for. I don't want to do anything with the the frames and stuff that we already have, or the gun types we already have. A lot of the gun types are already really, really saturated in the game. I want more of the futuristic style stuff. Trace rifles, linear fusions, fusion rifles you know grenade launchers uh these things need more presence in the game there's almost no linear fusions fusion rifles have no presence uh yeah swords i think swords could get moved to the energy slot i 100 percent agree with that decision lower their damage output increase their ammo and make them an energy weapon they'd be a great gut buster and shield popper uh you know kind of like a shotgun is now swords could have a great great uh, role in the game if they were in the energy slot they don't belong in the power slot anymore um, so, and we need better heavy options as some people are saying, rocket launchers kind of suck, grenade launchers are in a slightly better place, linear fusions suck, heavy machine guns got nerfed, you know y- your heavy slot is basically what exotic are you going to use, and if you don't use an exotic, you're just sort of typically just throwing on a machine gun um, spike grenade, spike grenade grenade launchers are actually a lot stronger than you probably think, they just don't have enough ammo, I think, I feel like their ammo reserves are too low it should feel more like a machine gun it's quick damage and it's accessible damage it can be used you know with a little bit more diversity like a machine gun can but in order for it to function in that way i feel like it needs a little bit more on reserve so rinsler you mentioned leaving gear behind is crucial to the success of the game it's good they allow you to infuse old gear up to par but without the new perks how much of a difference 
is it when playing with gear that have perks and those that don't? Well, there's only so much they, they can do with any given archetype. So the difference between the Midnight Coup and other hand cannons is non-existent. Number one, because the Midnight Coup has such insane aim assist and it's Rampage Outlaw. Um, that's one of the main reasons it just functions so well. And then Ikelos Shotgun. Again, static roll, you can't put a mod on it, but you don't really need to. So, if, and, and again, that's pretty much it. There's not a whole lot from year one that people are still using. Just those are, those are the only two, really. Uh, so, it's very difficult. Yes, and it's a lightweight frame. It's really, really difficult to iterate within a given archetype. So, even if you ignore year one gear, if I really, really love my Breakneck, my Warden's Law, a Badlander shotgun, um, Cold Heart, the Prometheus lens, you use those as secondaries. It's really hard to unseat those because, like, they're, they just they function really well. They're great weapons, so you can only really match their efficiency. If you can only match their efficiency, even if you institute new perks, if the new perks basically just make it a different version of the same gun, it's difficult for that to be a motivating grind because you're just like, I already have this. So with the threat level, I know a lot of people just stopped caring trying to get a threat level. Drop rate was too low, couldn't really get it to drop. They already had the Ike loss, so they just gave up. They're like, who the frick cares? I kind of already have the shotgun anyway. It's just matching the shotgun I already have, but it's in the kinetic slot. You know, how badly do you want to use an energy primary? Is it really worth it? Because there's plenty of good kinetic primaries that are very similar to the energy primaries. So, Charles Edward Cheese, what do you think about Bungie releasing D1 for PC with 4K 60fps cross save, 4K 60fps update for consoles? Number one, you can't do that for consoles. Uh, 4K 60fps is impossible on these consoles. They're too weak. It would need to be on the new consoles that aren't even out yet or, uh, you know, even not even in circulation. So, but it coming, D1 coming to PC would be amazing, but it's probably never going to happen. Uh, bringing, porting D1 content into the new engine, into the new platforms or onto PC is incredibly difficult and slow. So I don't think it's going to happen. So... That's going to conclude Q&A. If you're here and you haven't clicked follow, click follow. I'm not shutting the stream down. I'm just going to end the Q&A session. We can obviously keep discussing and going back and forth. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or watching on YouTube, you can always tune in live, twitch.tv slash say no to rage. That's with all of my content. I appreciate you listening and watching. Please like, share, and subscribe.